Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast and Radio Show. Coming to you on this, what day is it even anymore? What what day? Is this like day 400 of April? Uh, I'm kidding. It's Friday, uh, April the 10th, just after 2 o'clock. Just got my own lower body workout finished up here. Hopefully, you guys are doing the same. If not, you still have time. Even 10 minutes of activity is better than doing nothing whatsoever. Uh, I joke about the days just because my wife had joked with me the other day. She's like, it feels like it's Friday, and it was like on Tuesday. Um, That's why we talk about setting a schedule. She has a written out schedule now, and my schedule has pretty much stayed the same uh, other than obviously working with people, which is about seven hours of my day. But I'm getting up early. I'm still going through the same protocols in terms of returning emails and social media content. Uh, I do miss our people and seeing them and interacting with them because that, that's the part of this that does suck uh, big time is not being able to do our, our same workouts and, and, and have the same amount of fun. We're doing the best we can digitally, but I do miss them uh, drastically. But I, I joke with you there just for the fact of the importance of setting a schedule and keeping that sense of you know normalcy. And productivity and positivity in your life is crucial. And I do believe the heart of us being, you know, successful and, and crushing it, not just during this season of life, but as we come out on the other end, is going to be dictated by the routine that we have in place. And that's what I'm touching on today in the podcast is just, you know, quarantine eating or uh, stress eating during this season or eating out of boredom or whatever we choose to do. I've been trading some messages and, and phone calls back and forth with uh, some of my fitness homies, Travis Merritt, uh, Jason Hunter over at JLab sent out a nice piece too, uh, talking about, you know, being sad, angry, you know, uncertain, stressed, happy, uh, you know, thinking you're on vacation, even though you're not every single day, uh, you know, and, and that's great if, if people can make the best of it. But all those feelings can be wrapped up in lead to weight gain and unhealthy eating and drinking habits and unhealthy thought habits as well. So I'm going to touch on it from a dietary standpoint to walk you guys through what I do, what Heather and I have done, how we're helping our 47-day people, our inner circle guys, and hopefully you guys can grab some nuggets along the way. So I'm going to go through a handful of pieces here and talk about it from like an emotional eating standpoint. And hopefully it helps you kind of navigate this season of life and at least lay out some success steps to follow a plan all the way through this and then beyond. So you can, you know, not only be healthy during this crazy kind of shit show we're in, but be healthy on the other end. And so this is a time where you can really be diligent with your health, your fitness and your routines. But if you don't, and you don't take the time to plan and kind of lay this out, you can easily wander into crappy eating habits and drinking habits and sleeping habits and productivity habits. But I would urge you guys to go the other way and take the time and let this be the window where you can slow things down and become healthier and happier and more mobile and stronger and fitter and more mindful when we get released back out into the world. So I'm going to touch on this first piece uh, that Jason Hunter had sent out on emotional eating. And in terms of emotional eating, anxiety, uh, the anxiousness, the uncertainty, that is responsible for a lot of weight gain in people during these seasons of life. But by making some simple adjustments to your lifestyle, you can prevent the unwanted weight gain and you can end up being healthier and and happier as opposed to this. Now, obviously, a lot of us are kind of predetermined to go in one window or the other. Some people are overeaters. Some people, when they're really stressed, they tend to eat little to nothing. Now, if I'm a little bit pissed off at some stuff, I might 
go the way of like, oh, if I have some cinnamon rolls and some French fries, I'll feel better. But when I'm really stressed, like to the point where like I can't breathe, I don't eat shit. I can't, I couldn't even take enjoyment in like pizza and beer or like a cheeseburger and fries. Like I just, I can't get enjoyment out of it when I'm so consumed by something. And usually it's mental for me more than anything. Like that mental stress, then it has, because your brain is powerful. And when you get to the point, like you can make yourself sick because you can stress yourself out so fucking much. Trust me, I've been there before. And I feel basically normal now at this point or as normal as I can in this window. But again, like I shared before, about four weeks ago, there's probably like three days where I couldn't really breathe. I couldn't think. And my brain was just like, what the fuck? And I took no enjoyment out of food. You could have put the dopest cinnamon rolls in the world in front of my face. And I would have been like, eh, I'll eat them just because they're there. And it wouldn't even make me feel good. Now that's some you're like, oh, lucky you, Jeremy. It really isn't. When you're when you're to that point, you're, you're a lot sicker than just the, the out of weight game. But for some of you, the food becomes an answer to the problems only momentarily. And, and I'll share on that in a second. And if you guys find yourself in those windows, right? Instead of beating yourself up over every little thing that goes into your mouth, whether it's, you know, food or drink and wine and chips, if you just adopt some of the strategies here I'm going to share, you can keep the weight off and you can avoid that, you know, eater's remorse and drinker's remorse in the back end if you set a schedule. And I'm going to keep coming back to that throughout this episode. And so I'm going to walk you through a handful of things that help people at least, you know, tone down the stress and the, the nervousness and the emotional triggers that are holding them back. But it's real. And I'm not trying to say it isn't. Emotional eating has been shown to be an easy way, obviously, to pack on more than a few calories for people. And whether you want to call it emotional eating or stress eating or nervous eating, it happens when you don't have a full grasp on your emotions. And obviously, we're in a time of stress and uncertainty. Some of us, we've been impacted right off the bat. We got kicked right in the nuts and the face at the same time. And some of us, it's like little paper cuts along the way. But I think right now, we're all going to feel it, especially this weekend, because Easter's coming up, right? And we're not going to church. We're not hanging out with, with friends and family. We're not doing our normal routine like we typically would. And so we're all going to feel it. And that might bring about some feelings of, of uncertainty and some weirdness. And if nothing else, hopefully we can do some fun things for you guys on Instagram and Facebook and inside our groups to make us all feel you know connected. But admittedly, it's going to be weird. And when you don't have a grasp on those emotions, it can lead you into poor choices, typically with food and drink. And in your thought patterns, and that's an important part of this too, the way that you think about things and see things, glass half empty versus glass half full is going to dictate a lot of these choices as well. And oftentimes during like emotional eating, a person will eat even when they're not feeling hungry, and that becomes a problem. That's why I say set a schedule, whether it's two meals a day, three meals a day, three meals a day with two snacks, whatever it is, a start window and a stop window. I'll touch on intermittent fasting here in detail because I do think it can help you guys at least some semblance of it inside these windows. And when you're eating because of feelings, not because of hunger, that's a dangerous place to be in. And this occurs as a result of the emotional state. It's dictating when and how much you should eat as opposed to you being mindful and eating based off of activity level and what your schedule says. Now, Emotional eating, nervous eating, stress eating, it all means the same thing. You're, you're feeding your body in response to some emotional feeling you are currently sucked into. Like it is washed over you, you know, like a bad wave, right? Like it just owns you in that moment. And we've all been there. I've been guilty of it too. 
And this can have a lasting impact on your weight simply because of the poor food choices you're going to make that are going to sabotage your progress. And it has a lasting impact on your health that goes far beyond just weight gain. And the bad habits, that's what I want to focus on because those are the ones that are hard to break. Because if you go to do something through 33 days or 42 days or 66 days, whatever the fuck this is going to take to get out on the other end, you've done something for 62 days in a row, 32 days in a row, 41 days in a row, that's your new habit. And it's probably not a good one to have. And so, although most eating for us healthy people is done to fuel our body, right? We, we eat the right foods, we drink the right things, we feel the same way. Emotional eating, stress eating, works in the opposite way. Emotional eating works in a way to basically numb or, or drown out the negative emotions that may be caused by stress, anger, fear, sadness, and loneliness, which a lot of people are feeling now too because we're all so isolated. And while in the moment it makes you feel better, it digs the hole deeper on the back end. That's why it's hard because like when you put your hand in a stove, you burn it, right? Ah, it's hard. You don't, you don't want to do it again because it, it, it's a shitty feeling. Most of us, when we get punched in the face, we don't enjoy it, so we avoid doing that. When you eat cookies, when you eat cinnamon rolls, when you drink beer, when you drink wine, it, it's, a, it's a high. It's a drug. We're under the influence of it. It releases the endorphins. It gives us a buzz. So we like it. And it drowns out those shitty feelings in the moment. But you drink too much, it becomes a depressant. You eat too much, you start to gain weight. You look up a little bit fluffy. You start to get down on yourself. It's it's a negative shitstorm you're walking into. But in the moment, it feels so good, right? Like just the tip, right? Like it just feels good in the moment. Then you just keep going. And then you pay for it on the back end. Like I don't want you guys to do that. And even boredom right? Can trigger emotional eating to happen. And again, it doesn't have to be a major life event that triggers emotional eating, but obviously for all of us now, this has become a major life event. Um, And again, if you're you're talking like later on and you're listening to this and it's 2021 or or six months past this, it could be everyday life stresses too and situations that make you feel, you know, sad and worthless and situations that make you feel isolated and alone. But for the sake of now, we're all in the same boat, right? And some people, like I said, can eat less when they feel, you know, angry or depressed. Some people are going to binge. Some people rapidly eat. Whatever it is, when it's triggered by emotions and stress and fear and sadness, we tend not to make good choices. Typically, when I'm stress eating, it's not broccoli and salmon. That's just not my go-tos. I'm not going for cauliflower rice and eggs. I'm going for pizza. I'm going for Doritos. I want some tacos. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want the real shit. I don't, I don't want to be my healthy virgin because that's not going to make me feel good, right? And I think we can all relate to that. And that emotional state can also cause you guys to have an increase in the stress hormone cortisol, which some of you know can also stimulate your appetite. So it perpetuates the problem even worse, which is awful. And so emotional eating is dangerous for many reasons. But one of the biggest ones is... It's bad, not be just because of like the weight gain, right? The impact it has beyond that and what the effect the weight gain has on the body. And I'll dig on that later on as we go here. So instead of us focusing on, you know, just the emotional triggers and what we do, you have to focus on the habits rituals and routines and find the reason why we get into the negative thought process, right? And like how to pull ourselves out of it. So when you catch yourself tripping, you have to almost like say, stop. 
Why am I worried about this? Can I control it? Can I not control it? And you have almost like go in reverse and have like your husband or wife maybe slap you across the face or you have a trigger that pulls you out of it. I typically can pull myself out of the the negative mindset of stuff, but a lot of us can't. And so if you find yourself scrolling on the news, you have to almost have like a partner, like throw you the life raft to pull you out of the shit, right? When you get into those negative mind circles, because they're easy to get into. And this is the time where you can't be doing that. So for a lot of us, when we start to get into emotional eating, it's the combination, right, of salty and sweet and booze that can cause the unsafe swings in our blood sugar, which can alter our cholesterol, which over time can put us in a risk for diabetes and can lead to, you know, different diseases and cancers and those things. So that's why I want to say, I'm, again, I'm not saying you can't have cookies and cakes and do some of the fun stuff, but it can't be every day. You can't let it consume you every single day. You can't be on the, I'm the at-home, eat-everything diet. That doesn't work. So besides the unsafe increase in blood sugar and the high amount of sodium and the unsafe rise in blood pressure, which can lead to hardening of the arteries and heart complications, you don't want to do this because you don't want to have shitty habits when you come out of this season of life. I'm going to keep coming back to that. So during... Emotional eating, again, we don't tend to gravitate towards uh, the foods that are healthy for us. We snack and binge on foods that contain far too many calories and high amounts of sugar. These foods, again, make us feel as good in the short term, but after some time, our blood sugar will start to fall. And when that declines, oftentimes very rapidly, you are back to craving those unhealthy foods, creating a vicious cycle of poor eating over and over and over again, which leads to the weight gain. It's like when you eat, you know, four Girl Scout cookies, you eat them, then you go back sit on your couch and you're like, you sit there for about 90 seconds and you're like, well, shit, I want to go eat four more. Now, a dude like me, I just crushed the whole box. I don't even give a shit. I used to be like, oh, I'll just eat a sleeve and I'll put it back. No, no. I, once I, once the box is open, it's fair game, man. It's all going downhill for me. So that's why I say don't keep it in the house or only buy the single serving stuff so you can keep your mind out of it because when that blood sugar drops quick, you're back to craving those healthy foods. And, and again, it's that cycle over and over. And that cycle leads to weight gain, which leads to the health problems. And again, you might feel like, you know, munching here or there isn't bad for your body, but it can lead to overeating. And then come the feelings, again, like we talked about, of anger, guilt, and the self-deprecating behavior, and that eater's remorse that so many people are guilty of, or the drinker's remorse when you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, man, I made some really shitty habits. And then later, you know, so you do it like on a Friday, right? Like you drink, you stayed up, you drank too much, you ate like shit, you wake up, you feel like just garbage. You go through the whole day, I'm not going to do that again. Then four o'clock rolls around and five o'clock rolls around and you start to sell yourself on the reason why you have to do it again. Oh, it relaxes me. I need to do it. It's how I unwind. And I'm not saying there isn't a place for escapism, but start to identify if it is actually helping or hurting you not just in the moment, but the next day and the big picture. So for you people listening, what can you do to control the emotional eating and prevent you from derailing all of the hard work you put in? The first one, I think balance is probably key here. When you're in a serious fight with emotional eating, uh, grabbing healthy foods is probably the furthest thing from your mind, right? However, if you can balance your snacking, you're going to be in a far better emotional space over time. So 
I'm not a huge snack person. I'm going to talk about intermittent fasting here in a couple minutes and how I think that can help you guys. But if you are a snack person, what I would suggest is filling your house with all the awesome stuff, like 90%, and you got 10% of shit. Now, if you know you're a person who's going to binge eat the 10% of stuff in two days, then don't do it. Only single serving things. Or buy things that you like but don't really love, right? Like, I guess my example would be with nut butters. I love Justin's almond butter, like the maple flavored Justin's almond butter. I could literally sit down and put a spoon and eat the whole jar in five minutes. We don't ever buy it. For one, it costs like 47 bucks a jar. Uh, So there's that. So fiscally, I try to be responsible. But more than that, uh, I like it too much. But if I buy normal peanut butter, I like it but nowhere near like the Justin's maple flavored almond butter. So when I do normal peanut butter, now I have some sense of control. So there's a healthier option for me. Even though it's like a treat for me, it's something I love, it's not my favorite thing. So I tend not to overeat on it. So I'm putting a like a safeguard in place for myself. Like I'm a governor uh, to myself, if you will. So if you guys can, when you find yourself in that space, Surround yourself with high-quality foods that contain proteins, healthy fats, fibers, and micronutrients your body needs that will keep you on track with your goals. It doesn't mean that you can't have cookies and cakes and things in the house. You have to know your personality type and who you are. You just have to balance the unhealthy shit with way more healthy stuff over time. And in my opinion, taking a whole food supplement, taking an athletic greens, and and I say that because this. Obviously, I believe in it. I take it every single day. I talk about it all the time because it's helped me. It's helped me, knock on wood, not be sick, feel good, have energy, get my micronutrients in, even if I can't eat all the veggies I want to. But more importantly, I find myself when I'm at home preparing like my first meal. If I eat once a day or twice a day, depending on my schedule, I go home, I have my lemon water there, I have my athletic greens, and I'm making my eggs and whatever. I just feel I make better choices when I'm taking like an athletic greens and I'm eating vegetables in a meal because it doesn't really go together, right? Like crushing athletic greens doesn't really go with me eating a bag of Doritos. Like it's a, it's a shitty combo, right? Like there's certain things you just probably don't eat together. And that's why I say that. So when you have the healthier snacks around, you tend not to pack it next to all the crappy processed foods. At least that's helped me. Also, when you're doing that, it leads you guys to having better blood sugar control which could keep you from overeating certain foods. You're not having the crazy spikes over time. So instead of getting like always a bag of crackers, which for most of us can be higher in like, you know, the glycemic index, shoot for, you know, berries and eggs to help you kind of slow the rate of digestion down, which has a much lower impact on blood sugar. And if you're talking about satiety and satiation, how the brain and the gut communicate, feeling satisfied for longer, I think is going to be the key. Because when you crush those crackers, you can eat a whole box and you're hungry 20 minutes later. When you have a handful of hard-boiled eggs and maybe some blueberries and and raspberries, I I think you have a better feeling of, of fullness and your body's getting the things that it really needs. The next thing that can help... Keeping a food diary. I talk about this all the time. Uh, it's one of the easiest way to kind of keep emotional eating at bay and destroy, you know, the shitty habits that you have on. Logging everything that you eat and drink is key. Uh, it can help you find better patterns between the emotional eating and what it does. It's an education for you guys. If you've never done it before, it allows you to see how much damage you're doing when you eat four Oreos, when you eat three slices of pizza. When you put it on my fitness pal, it, it, it tracks the proteins, carbs, fats, the sugars, the fiber. So it gives you a picture of what's going on every day as opposed to just going in blind. 
Because what we really do as people, we do this in, in most aspects of life, but especially in, in fitness and, and nutrition, we overestimate how hard we work in the gym. So we say we burn 700 calories. Whether you did or not, I don't know. But we overestimate how hard we work and we underestimate how much we eat. On average, people habitually underestimate how much they're eating. Oh, I had two tablespoons of peanut butter. Bullshit. It was probably five or six. I've been guilty of that too. When you really measure out two tablespoons of peanut butter, it is nothing. It's like a drop in the bucket, but yet we do that. So when you log it and you're diligent with it, you can see how much sugar you actually took in in the day. And if you're really adding up everything, it can keep you on track. Is it a pain in the ass? Sure. It's a 10-minute investment in your day. What else are you doing right now? If you're watching Tiger King or whatever other show is on, you can log your food for 10 minutes. You can do 10 minutes of mobility. You can dedicate an hour of your day right now to being a healthy, mindful person. I promise you it is way worth the investment. The ROI on you logging your food is one of the the biggest payoffs you guys could ever have in your life, especially in this season that you're in. Next one, developing like an eating interval, which I'll get to the fasting in a second. If you're hungry, uh, the chance you're going to overeat is, is probably a lot greater. If you're hangry, if you're starving, most people keep, don't have the mental fortitude to go hours and hours and hours of eating. Now, this is me personally. It's 2.46 p.m. right now on Friday. I worked out. I haven't ate anything yet. I'm totally fine. That works for me. Most people, they get to a point of no return where they're so hangry, they'll probably bite you know their kid's arm you know, just for a taste of something. Like, you know, you'll reach into the cupboard and grab all the goldfish. And, and all of a sudden, before you know it, you should have seven, you know, servings of goldfish in your mouth and you're over your macros for the day. That's not a plan. That's why I say having a regular schedule of eating is key. So again, you guys choose, whether it's eating a small meal, a small snack every couple hours, whether it's two, three meals, the interval is going to help you have some semblance of normalcy. And it's going to help you manage your stress, your blood sugar levels, your portion levels, and that way you could limit the amount of food you're eating during those kind of emotional outbreaks and windows if you can stick to the script that you let out for yourself, or at least an outline to give you an idea. And we'll dive on the fasting in a second, but the last one I want to touch on is just being mindful. This is key. I don't track macros anymore. That's just me, you guys. I did it for five years on pen and paper. I don't need to anymore. I know it's going in. I know it's coming out. It's pretty simple for me. But again, I also review food logs for probably three hours a week, every single week. So I'm looking through my fitness pal of what, you know, literally about 50 other humans are doing. So I know what a banana is. Like I know at this point what everything is. So I'm not consciously doing it, but in my subconscious every day when I look at stuff, I'm like, okay, that's my meal. That's about 42 grams of protein. It's about mm, 40 grams of fat. And that's probably about 22 carbohydrates. Okay, cool. I have about this much left for my next meal. So I'm always aware of what's going on. But if you're not there, that's why I say the logging is key, but being mindful. Because if your stress is constantly high, when you're practicing mindfulness, it can alleviate you making some of the poor choices. And so some of the easiest way to be mindful of your eating is this. Step number one, obviously the logging is key. Two, eating slowly and actually tasting your food. Don't inhale it like my dog. Like when, if you guys watch me on my Instagram stories, I feed my dog, but my dog basically eats other than her puppy food. She eats the same food that I eat. So last night we had carne asada, uh, Brussels sprouts, my wife had cauliflower rice, and I had uh, these sweet potato 
puffs. They're like sweet potato kind of tater tots almost. They're amazing. Uh, so I had carne asada, Brussels sprouts, and that. My dog ate the same thing. Now, when I give my dog uh, like a, a Brussels sprout, chew, 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 swallow. When I give her carne asada, chew, swallow. When it's the sweet potato puffs, basically doesn't, doesn't even chew it. Just like swallows it. I don't even know if she tastes it. I know she smells it, but she doesn't slow down. She's not mindful. She's a dog. But you guys can slow down and actually chew your food and taste it and take time actually eating. Be mindful of what it tastes like as the process is going. The next one, taking several deep breaths before your meal. Slow down. Just smell it. Don't be in a rush. This is a season of life where you can actually probably slow down. So just take a couple of breaths in between each bite. But even before you eat, just set the tone for the meal. Putting your fork and spoon down between bites can also help. Maybe having a conversation. God forbid you talk to your husband or wife or your kids about something as you go. And just don't be worried about just crushing the food in two seconds. Slow down. Put the utensils down. Take a bite. Chew, swallow. Breathe, talk, and repeat. Also, taking a sip of water, maybe before each bite or intermittently throughout the meal. The water can fill the stomach, therefore giving you less room for the food, at least momentarily. Uh, I like to mix and match my food and drink stuff. I have a process that I go through. I'm sure you guys do as well, but it helps. So what I would also say, just on a side note, you should audit, you know, like how you feel uh, before dinner. During dinner, after dinner, you could almost have like a log, right? Or keep track of your emotions while you're eating. It can help you determine if you're eating actually due to, you know, being hungry um, and understanding it when you're satisfied and, and slowing things down. Or are the emotions driving a lot of it? And only if you really take the time to audit it can you guys do that. So that's the outline, right? Simple stuff. So to ask the question. What diet or how do you eat during quarantine or what would you suggest, Jeremy? What's the the best way to go about it? Now, right off the bat, all diets work, right? They really do. If you stick to them, they all work, whether it's your vegan, your paleo, uh, carnivore, intermittent fasting, carb backloading, whole 30, uh, you name it. They all work um, if you stick to them. And if your goal is fat loss, if you're in a caloric deficit, you'll be there. If the goal is to gain weight, you're in a surplus. It's, it's really simple. There is no right or wrong. There is no holy grail for all. There's something that works for all of us. There's certain things that we all can do that cross over, but what works for me probably exactly won't work for you. And what exactly works for you won't work for me. We have different genetics. We're different ages, different sizes. We have different sleep patterns, training patterns, different goals we want to accomplish. But at the end of the day, they all work if you stick to them. But the goal is find a way of eating that puts you in a deficit if you want to be lean, but doesn't leave you feeling deprived all the time. And, and I go that route because most of you listening, fat loss is a goal for most people. Most people aren't trying to gain size and be super big because, A, it's stupid. Uh, I'm not trying to judge you guys, but honestly, you'll never be the biggest guy. So who gives a shit anyway? Like conditioning is key. If you can be lean, it doesn't matter if you're a dude and you weigh 174 pounds. If you're shredded, you're shredded. And you feel good, you look good, and you're functional, I think that's fine. If you want to gain size over time, that's cool. But take it from a guy who's 36 years old, I weigh 200 and probably 12 pounds today. What would another five pounds give me? 
what would another 10 pounds give me? And if I was 200 pounds, what would be the difference? If I was healthy and fit, that's the key. So when you guys are going through this, the goal is for you to find a way to put your body in a calorie deficit so you keep making progress towards your fat loss goals, but doesn't leave you feeling deprived and hangry and that you hate yourself. And that's the key. Don't look at it as like, what can't you eat? Look at it as like, what can I eat? What can I get away with and still be lean and happy and functional? And what I found that works best for most people overall, and probably during this kind of stay at home process is some version of intermittent fasting. Now, I'm not going to give you the the hard numbers, the blanket that you have to be in. I'm going to paint a broad brush here and give you multiple options. Some things work better for men, for women, for older people, for younger people. Each one of us has something different. But if you're you're locked at home, which we all are, I think having yourself on some form of intermittent fasting of an eating schedule is going to put you in a position to be successful during this. I really do. And when I say IF... Intermittent fasting is where you decrease your feeding window, most people down to eight hours, six hours, even four hours. Some people do full day fasts. There's a bunch of options. And again, you guys have heard me talk about it before. I'll I'll share it again. I personally eat in about a four hour window most days. That works for me. Some days I eat two meals. Some days I eat one meal. It just depends on my schedule and how I feel and what I'm eating and what I want to do. I'm not trying to get bigger. I'm not trying to get smaller. I just kind of feel good where I live right now and I'm happy with it. My homeostasis, if you will. Now, when I first started out fasting, I ate in an eight hour window and I typically would eat three meals, like one right at the front, one somewhere in the middle and one at the very back end. Now my window might shift now It might be two hours. It might be five hours. Some days I do fast all 24 hours, but that works for me. I'm not saying do it for you. I'm just being completely transparent. Now, most people tend to roughly eat about 16 hours per day, assuming you sleep eight, right? That's what most people tend to do. But when you're intermittent fasting, you kind of cut that in half. So you're decreasing your eating window. So out of default, most people over time are going to be eating less, which in turn equals fewer calories. That's why I find it to be ideal for this time of life. And for most people overall, my feeling is this. These are just my opinions. I feel the average person is more successful being leaner if they're eating less hours when they're awake than hours they're awake, right? So what I'm saying is this. If you're awake for 16 hours in a day, if you're only eating for eight of those, you're probably eating less. Not necessarily, but more often than not, because half the time you're doing nothing. You're consuming zero calories and the other eight hours you'd have to squeeze in all the calories. So in turn, over time, you're probably going to eat less and have less meals, i.e. less calories. Fat loss is the outcome. Hopefully you guys are following with me or so far. So if you follow any information about fasting that I've put out, which we've done multiple podcasts, YouTube videos, and full blogs, we do a full program where we coach you through it for a month. There's a, I think we have a, do we have a free fasting guide? I'm sure we do. Uh, we have a guide on everything. But point being is, you're going to see there's many ways to do it, but I want to keep it simple, stupid for you guys. So give yourself a six-hour window. If that stresses you out, say it's an eight-hour window. And pick when you want your feeding window to be, Right? So if you're the normal person, you've never done it before, say you're going to eat from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. It's probably the easiest window. If you want to go 11 to 7 or 12 to 8, that's fine. If you want to get more aggressive, eat from noon till 6. 
I think that's fine for a lot of you guys. I think it's very doable. But again, if you want to, if you feel like it's going to put you in a panic mode and freak you out, eat from 10 to 6. That's only eight hours. You're not eating anything before 10 and you're eating nothing after 6. See how that goes. At least now you have a structure to live in. And again, there's a lot of, you know, my intermittent fasting counterparts and the the Z lots that are they're gonna swear you can't eat or drink anything, you know, as soon as you wake up and you have to fast until at least one and after the midday workout, you, you can only eat then because that's how you're gonna, you know, optimize your hormones and that's how you're gonna get the biggest benefits. Who gives a shit? Well, for right now, I'm not really worried about you guys optimizing all the hormones and getting every single ounce out of it, but I want to help you stop eating so much, you know, during your downtime when you're bored and help you find a schedule. So again, if you guys are on track to lose weight and be in deficit, your hormones are going to begin to kind of, you know, optimize naturally anyway. It's just my two cents. So here's my recommendation for you guys. Set the fasting window. Pick about how many meals you're going to eat per day. If it's two meals, three meals, four meals. If it's two meals in the snack, three meals in the snack, whatever works for you. Outline that every day. I'm not saying you have to plan and prep everything and have a meal plan that you follow to a T because those are bullshit and they don't work anyway. But just have an idea of what you're going to do. And then lay it out like this. If you have to eat breakfast in the morning, which is perfectly fine, I have nothing against it, then start eating when you wake up and stop for an early dinner or a late lunch, say maybe like three or four. So if you have to move your window up, that's fine. If you have to eat as soon as you wake up, if you can, probably delay breakfast. That's probably the easiest route. So if you don't have to eat when you wake up, then maybe wait till 10 o'clock or wait till lunchtime. And then kind of, you know, start and stop your eating from, again, like I said, 10 to 6 or like 12 to 6. That would work. Or you could split the difference. Again, like I said, have a late breakfast and then stop earlier in the day by 4 p.m. Have like an early dinner, so like 10 to 4. Any of these work. You just have to find what works for you. Again, they're not set in stone. There is guidelines to give you guys ideas. And it doesn't matter what you pick. But pick the one that's easiest for you. Your personality type, your schedule, your kid's schedule, your husband's schedule, your training schedule, and stick to it. Make a commitment, everybody. For once in your life, mean what you say, do what you say, and just sell out to it. Don't be a lazy ass, just make it happen. Personally, like I said, I don't eat till later in the day, usually, you know, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. Yesterday, I think I ate at 6. Again, it's 2.59 right now. I still haven't eaten, but it allows me to do what works for me in my body and allows me to get, you know, one or two solid meals in of proteins, you know, carbs and healthy fats. Because I don't want to snack. I'm terrible at it. If I graze, I'm going to overeat. And once I start eating, it's like an avalanche. Um, There's no stopping the train once it gets going. So I tend to do better when I set these, you know, the walls I build up to protect me. They also imprison me right in this box. And and in this scenario, uh, it's good that I'm in the prison for sure. So what a lot of you guys are probably going to find is it's going to take three or uh, most of you honestly probably. I would say three days for sure. Some of you guys, maybe five, six, seven days to get used to the new way of your eating. But afterwards, it feels like second nature. And over time, your body does get used to it. So I'm not starving right now and hangry. I know when my triggers are going to come. But you have a level of hunger awareness, appetite awareness, body awareness, mindfulness that you've never had before. And you start to understand if you're just hungry out of boredom, you're hungry out of thirst, 
or if you're hungry because you really have to eat something because you're actually draining the energy pool. So the key is drinking water throughout the day. Tons of water, tons of tea, Powerade Zero, Gatorade Zero, coffee is key for me. If you're watching me right now, I guess I still have a coffee. Three o'clock in the afternoon uh, to keep me rolling. That works for me. But hydration is the key. But having an awareness of why you're really hungry and why you're really eating is a skill you acquire like anything else. And the amount of body awareness you guys will have by doing this is going to take you to the next levels of of fat loss and of self-control and of discipline and of delaying gratification. All the things that make people fit. All the things that make people be able to get a college degree and an advanced degree and become a lawyer and a doctor or be awesome at their career. You're taking the same skill set and you're transferring it, right? That's it. So last couple tips I can give you guys. Find what's easy for you. Don't force it. You don't have to eat the second you wake up. You can skip it if you need to. Breakfast is not the most important meal of the day. If it is for you, then fine, eat it, but you don't have to. But find what's easy for you and don't try to force it. Do what naturally works for your body and your personality type. And that might take a little bit of, you know, give and take here, uh, especially as you're starting out. And again, it's about a week to adjust, but you'll get there. Next one, eat whole food meals, whether that's two, three, or four, whatever it may be, proteins, carbs from veggies mostly, nutrient-dense foods. And before you even think about snacking or sweets, fill your body with whole nutrient-dense foods. Think healthy, natural stuff. It runs, it swims, it flies, it grows from the earth. That's it. Green vegetables, a ton of them, with protein. And then if you drink all your water and all your fluids, if you're still hungry for a little snack or treat, then maybe go the dark chocolate route. Just did a podcast on it. But again, in all seriousness, you guys, whole food meals with nutrient-dense foods are going to be the key here. Next one, don't think you can eat or drink whatever you want during the intermittent fasting. Uh, It's not a, a pass to eat shit. I know a lot of people think that. You still eat good, healthy food, and you can eat a lot of that. Um, And again, nobody, nobody got fat on lean, healthy meats and vegetables. Nobody got fat on carrots. Nobody. Nobody got fat on eggs and lean chicken and salmon and broccoli and asparagus. Nobody. I repeat that. Next one. Drink plenty of of calorie-free fluids. Like I said, water, coffee, tea, Powerade Zeros. It does curb hunger. Uh, I'm not saying drink a shitload of Diet Cokes. But don't feel like you can't have one. Be a real human. It's fine. If you're drinking two gallons of water a day and you drink a Diet Coke with dinner and that keeps you from eating Cold Stone or Ben and Jerry's, I think you, I think you won. You're going to live to fight another day. Uh, my wife likes a lot of the sparkling kind of water, the bubbly stuff. Uh, some of the mineral waters work. I'm not a huge fan of those. I more like, you know, would go water, coffee, uh, Gatorade Zero, Powerade Zero, and like, you know, diet squirt or like a diet uh, seven up. And then if I'm going to do something a little bit funky, and again, maybe instead of, you know, reaching for, you know, booze, like whiskey or beer, I might have a Diet Coke. Uh, if that gets me through for sure. I, I just find I'm better off doing that th- th- than chugging booze. And people can mess. We've already done a podcast on why diet soda is safe in moderation. And you can message me all you want and send me all the bullshit fake articles. I'm happy to send you 10,000 more that will disprove it. Um, in moderation is the key when I say that. But for me, I don't want to be going to booze as a stress reliever in this time, especially knowing my personality type and how addictive I am to everything. It'll only lead to bad decisions 
when this season of life is over. And that's why I keep harping on the rituals you guys are setting now. I don't want you to carry back into your normal life because it's not healthy to do. Again, coffee. Uh, I love coffee. I think it's healthy for you guys. I think when you do it, obviously, if you're drinking at 9 o'clock at night, probably not. Water is always going to be the base. Lemon water, even better, I think. And then again, the last thing, just staying busy, man. Like staying busy when you're not eating, not just laying around watching Netflix. That's why I say log the food, do mobility. All of you have time to do 10 minutes of mobility and foam rolling every single day. Go for a walk, set a goal of doing 100 push-ups or 100 squats every day. Always get a workout in, do something or focus on your work. Focus on being productive, learning a new skill, writing, reading, planning something or your kids. Have fun now with your kids that you can never have before. Like, or enjoy the window with them, even if they're driving you nuts. Like, tr- try to try to enjoy it best you can. Easy, easy for you to say, Jeremy. You don't have kids. I get it, but uh, I'd be my advice, I guess, from from the outside looking in. Or your other hobbies, right? Whether it's cards or video games or, or gardening or whatever it is, anything. But keep busy, so you don't eat out of boredom and make forty-eight terrible choices day after day after day after day. So that, you guys, in a nutshell, would be um, how to eat during quarantine and how to, you know, start a new schedule of healthy eating habits and how to get out of, you know, the things that can really, I guess, destroy your hard work and crush your efforts and really take away from the results you want to receive and really be a thorn in your side. And these would be my, my easiest tips right off the bat. Again, taken from some of the things Travis had shared and Jay had shared and my two cents on it. Um, that's what works for us. You know, my wife is kind of on a, a similar uh, fasting schedule. She eats in a bigger window, but most days that's what she does. And some days she might have like, you know, uh, her coffee and have like a, Man, I'm having a brain fart right now. The uh, the perfect bars. She'll have like maybe a perfect bar in her coffee one day a week or something, and that's like a treat for her. Then she goes back to the fasting schedule. But for most of her meals, again, it's veggies, it's proteins, it's eggs, it's egg whites, it's ground turkey, it's lean cuts, all the normal stuff. And if she wants to have a drink, then she'll plan it out and have it and not feel bad about it. There's no need to have the remorse. But having a schedule is key. And maybe just writing it down again the night before and being mindful. Okay, tomorrow I'm going to eat two times and I'm going to eat, you know, before my workout and after my workout, or I'm going to eat whatever works for you. It does not matter, but just being mindful of it and auditing how you feel and auditing what you're doing and logging it can go a long way. So hopefully you guys uh, got some value from that. Uh, I try to make it, you know, as, as broad of a brush picture as I can paint for everybody, because I know you're all different and you have, you know, different goals and personality types and schedules with kids and and what you're doing now. But for the most part, we all want to be lean and healthy and happy. And I think you can take any of the things I said here and put those pieces into play and get there. So any questions you guys have for me, as always, DM me, email me, reply in the Anchor app. Uh, I'll reply as, as quickly as possible with all those. If you're on iTunes right now, stop. Don't be a lazy ass. Go to your podcast app. Click the podcast icon, scroll your finger all the way down, five star, leave me a couple sentences, I truly would appreciate it. And if you're on a MacBook or your iPad, the iTunes icon is cool as well. Click ratings and reviews, five star, leave me a comment or two, I would appreciate you guys for that. And honestly, we're all trapped right now. We're all looking for things to listen to and read and consume. If you have a friend or family member or coworker or it's your boss or somebody you give a shit about, Send this podcast to them. Say, hey, man, 
this has really helped me or there's some really good tips in here for healthy eating during this time. I know you want to be healthier or, hey, here's what I've been doing. Shoot it to them. The casket effect you can have by helping somebody fill their brain with quality information as opposed to just binge watching garbage all day, which is fine. There's a place for escapism. But this is a window where you can educate yourself. And if I'm the voice of reason, then shoot this to them because it can go a long way and it can help them find a better way to eat and to drink and to live. Not just during this season, but far beyond when this show is over. So. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for all the messages, the DMs, uh, the reshares on Instagram. have been amazing of the workouts. You guys have been crushing it. Uh, it. It truly is impressive. So I thank you guys. We're all in this you know, together right now, and I'm here for you in any capacity I can be. That's why I'm pumping out so much stuff to the point of almost like I'm wondering how the hell I'm doing it. But I got the time, and uh, I'm trying to do as much for everybody as humanly possible, both our coaching clients and the hundreds of people we work with, and all of you who tune in and listen, it, it does mean a lot. So thank you guys. So stay safe, stay sweaty, and don't find yourself getting into the emotional eating shitstorms. If you do, re-listen to this and know I'm watching, and I want you guys to make progress during this time and not revert back to old habits or create new shitty ones because we, we can control that. And if we literally just put these pieces into play, you guys can take hold of something and have a set of skills you can use for the rest of your life. And, and that's the key. So until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people, and please, you guys, keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.